so refining fire is what I believe God is saying to each one of us. You know, we're looking for revivals at churches, we're looking for revivals in meetings, but may I tell you, they all start in individual hearts. There has to be a revival in each heart, and God is doing this. I feel very strongly that I have a word for each one of you, and it is this. You are being refined for a purpose. You are being challenged for a purpose. You are being burned inside in the furnace of God's holiness for a purpose. It is not for punishment. It is not to keep you down. It is to bring you into the place and the position that God would have you be. You're being burned in the furnace of holiness so that you will be put on display for the Lord Jesus Christ. So do not quit and do not get discouraged when God is identifying sin in your life when God is showing you your shortcomings, when God is pressing on you for those things that need to be burned away and taken away, rejoice, for it is the sanctifying power of God that is refining you, working with you, because God has a goal in mind that the image of Christ would be formed in you. No easy task. I know some of you. You've been called to this burning for his glory. And it's not going to stop. This is the thing. God's not going to give up on you. You're not a lost cause. You're a one cause. You've been won by Jesus Christ. He's not going to get so far and say, there is nothing I can do with this rubble. No, he's able to complete that which he's begun in you. And this is a continuing thing. This sanctification should make you rejoice, not quit. Should make you excited, not frustrated. God's doing a work in every one of us and he's revining us for his glory. He said this to Israel in Isaiah 48.10, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Oh, well, none of us like that. Could you move on to a better prosperous message? But what is real suffering? Coming to the end of yourself. How many of you have come to the place where you realize that you're really not that special on this planet? That was a tough day I realized. I am average. Not in our culture. You're a rock star. You've got your own theme music. You've got your own YouTube channel. You are everything, and everything is done for your benefit. That's how many people are walking around today till they come to the realization that we are sinners, that we are what? Dung, a wretch like me, this amazing grace that God would have me. And what is the furnace of suffering? He's suffering out, he's burning out our failed identity because he's replaced it with an identity in Christ. It's this great exchange of moving from one who is depraved to one who is glorified, to one who is sanctified. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm identified as a saint. 
How does this happen? Through the furnace of God's holiness working within us, extracting off the poison of sin out of our lives and out of our thinking to transform our mind by the renewing of our thinking and our renewing of our identity in who He is. I've refined you, Israel. I took you out of being slaves and now I've made you the chosen people, the promised land. And that's us. And it takes the furnace of a refining fire. He says, not like silver, but in the sense I'm using the analogy that it is a refiner's fire like a jeweler. How how does a refiner's fire work? You take a precious metal in its raw state and you begin to put it in the furnace, a crucible that gets red hot till that precious metal begins to melt at that melting point, the suffering point of that metal's fluidity, it begins to melt and dissipate into its purest form and all the impurities within that metal begin to rise to the top. They call it the dross. And as the dross is there at the top, you see the scum on the top of that gold or that silver. And the refiner takes a scoop and he scoops off the dross, scoops off the scum because of the suffering or the furnace or the burning of purifying that metal causes the impurities to rise so that they can be what? Seen. That's what he's doing with you and I. Many of us wail and weep, oh God, over our sin because we see it, we know it. But that's the time to deal with it and have it removed. If we're all going to walk around and pretend we don't have the dross, if we're not going to help each other in this, we're fooling each other. We're all trying to pretend that, look at how holy I am. We're all trying to pretend at how good we are as Christians. When he's trying to purify us in the smelting and purifying us in the suffering and the burning of his holiness in our lives. It should affect all of us. It should cause all of us to to fall to our ground and say, God, take it out. And that's the purifying fire of God. It's like the refiner's gold. Peter put it this way. So that the genuineness of your faith The genuineness. How many of you know you don't know what kind of faith you have till it is tried by fire? Anybody here been tried? How many of you have found your faith weak? It's all right. He's just burning it so it will be refined. And he brings you through one crucible to the next so that it becomes purer and purer and purer. The genuineness of your faith. It's more valuable than gold. He's using the illustration of refining gold. Well, this faith is better than gold. Gold perishes, though refined by fire. It gets better and clearer and finer. But your faith, what's the result of the genuineness of your faith being tried by fire? The result is praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ in you. That's what happens When we trust the Lord and we go through whatever suffering, whatever trial, whatever he is identifying in us in the the pressures of life and in the pressures of being transformed from sin to saint, in that effort throughout our life, 
The glory is that you see Jesus in me greater and greater. How many of you have had your mouth put through the crucible of fire to when before all you could do was curse and swear and this and that, now you're refined to speak praise and glory and honor? Thank God. Do you remember the filth you used to spill out of your mouth, but now it's glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many of you remember the thought life that you had? I won't even go there. Some of you are going to fall out right now. You're still dealing with it. We're all dealing with it. Let's not pretend. How do you live in this world and in this culture with all that we see and hear constantly and not have to deal with it in me? I find stuff coming out of me that never was, I never intended to be there. I don't know how it got there. Osmosis from living in this trash can we're living in. The filth. Oh God, purify me. And what comes out is praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening in you and I, the refiner's fire. And it will always happen. Don't, my message this morning is don't get discouraged by this, but embrace it. Let him burn in you the fires of holiness. God's looking to refine his people. He wants to find a church he can totally consume with holy fire. He wants to burn a people who will gather together like kindling and say, burn till Jesus shows up in this house. Kid, that was an amen moment, somebody. (laughs) Paul says this to Timothy, now in a large house there are not only gold and silver bowls, that's your finest stuff you put out for company, but there's also wood and clay vessels, some are honorable to use and some are dishonorable. How many of you got some fine china? They call it fine china. That's the stuff you have a china cabinet for. You never use it. You got it at your wedding about 40 years ago. You don't know what to do with this. You wanted to re-gift it a couple times, but fine china. Who do you invite over to give fine china to? I don't know. Is the some... Official going to come to your house? Every now and then, you know, for Christmas, or you put the fine china out. That's beautiful. Keep it stored and precious. God wants his fine china out used constantly all the time. The vessels of gold and silver. He wants everyone to know that his love is for everyone and he will use his finest to bring people in. But there's also vessels of dishonor. Those wood cups, those mugs, that Tupperware that you use and throw out and put in the you know, the dishwasher, all this stuff, it gets scratched, it gets, you keep using it. How many of you have a cup that's your favorite cup you've had there for 20 years? It's the ugliest thing in the box, right? God's going to turn that thing into gold. What Paul says is this, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy. That's what, that's what holy means, set apart, sanctified. Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That's you and I. God found an old vessel in the mud and in the dirt, and he came and he picked it up. It had your name. It was you, and he washed it off. 
And he took that vessel of dishonor that used to have filth in it and he cleansed it and he washed it and he put it in the furnace of his burning and it became gold and silver and precious. You now are a vessel of honor. Do you get this? You're a vessel that holds the very nature of God's own spirit of holiness. We forget who possesses us. Your wife thinks it's the devil, but thank God you know it's Jesus. You've been delivered. You have to remind her. You've got to show up every now and then with gold and silver and say, I've been set free. Show her. You're a vessel of honor. We call him Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We forget he's the spirit of holiness. He's God's very nature that he decided to deposit in you. Now, once you put that much holiness in you, he will not sit still. He is going into every crevice of every thought and every part of your being. He's searching your past. He's searching through. And what was of no use, he is casting out and he is refining the value of who you are to be used by God as a testimony of God's love. Wow. I love a church filled with people that were so messed up. We don't need a, a church of refined, perfect people who think they're all that. We need a church that recognizes the mess they were in and that it is by Christ and Christ alone we have been refined and used for Him. I can't cleanse myself, only the fires of God. Look, at if it was up to me turning on the heat of how much heat I'd have, mm -mm. I'd make it comfortable. How about you? But he said, no, I need to refine you, and there's going to be some level of suffering here because some of the sin that you and I have held on to, we love it. That's why we keep repeating it, and it besets us so easily. He said, I'm going to turn this heat up to where it's going to suffer, to the place where you no longer can stand having it because my holiness wants to penetrate you for your sake, to make you better. Your struggles with sin, your suffering, and the fire of the furnace is shaping you into the strength of God, a vessel of honor. But you get discouraged with this. How many of us get discouraged over, oh no, God, again, I show up to you with this filth you've shown me. And we get discouraged and, and, and think we're no good for God. But it's quite the opposite of what's happening. God is turning the flame up so that you'll see it, so that you'll reject it. What we get discouraged and God is saying, I'm doing this for you. I'm refining you. Count it all joy when you enter into these trials, this suffering, because I'm exposing a weakness that I am going to make now your strength. Praise God. That's why we don't give up on each other. That's why we don't kick each other when we're down, when a brother or sister sins. That's the time we go to them and say, hold on, because the furnace is going to burn, and I'll be here with you. God wants to burn off the dross. Now, what, is, what are the agents that do this? His Word and His Spirit. We've got to stay in the Word. 
We've got to allow the spirit of holiness to be a fire in us. The word is that kindling that burns and burns and identifies sin. When we look into the mirror of his word, we see it and the spirit points it out. His grace and his providence cooperate to remove it. All impurities, for the Lord says, I am the Lord God who sanctifies you. Well, how does this happen? Look at Philippians chapter 3.10, what Paul does with this. Paul says, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. How many of you want that? I pray that all the time. I want to see the power of his resurrection. That's the power over death. It's the power over the grave. That's some power. Same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In us. I may know him in the power of the resurrection and may share in his sufferings. I don't know about that one. Becoming like him in his death. Okay. That by any means possible. Oh, who's going to pray that today? How many of you pray that for your, for your children? God, by any means, save them. And then they get into a mess of things. And we go, oh, God, no. I thought you wanted me to save them. I got to break in. Right? By any means. Possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So I thought Paul got this, the order wrong. I thought that first of all, you got to know the cross, his sufferings first. Then you know the power of his resurrection. After three days, he rose from the dead. But when he's talking about our salvation, you have to first know the power of his resurrection. You have to know that he died for your sins and rose from the dead on the third day. In other words, to know the power of his resurrection is to know salvation. God first wants to secure you with salvation. And then once we know the power of his salvation and resurrection, now he's going to bring us into the sufferings of his death. See, most people think we have to earn that salvation by what we go through. No, 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 no. He'll secure the salvation, then he'll clean you up. Some people think they got to get clean before they can come to God. You can't clean yourself up enough. Only he can clean you. This is what I love about our Lord. He saves us without us doing a thing. We're, we're a mess of sin. We're, we're, we're filthy. And he saves us. Then, securing us in his love, securing us in our salvation, then he gets to work and brings us into the crucible of the cross where we die daily to sin and self. Resurrection unto salvation is secured. Then the suffering unto death takes place. God doesn't clean you up to get you saved. God saves you so that he can then, by his spirit of holiness, pour into you the power of that resurrection because it's going to take all the power in heaven and earth to clean you and I up and to shape us into the image of Jesus. Aren't you glad that power is at work in you right now? Right now. Right now. It's him doing this work. All you have to do is cooperate. Call on that burning fire of God. 
The only way God can get us to separate us from our sin is to let its consequences teach us to hate it. In the furnace, you'll lose nothing that is worth keeping, but you'll obtain what is truly valuable. That's why some of you have been burning over an issue for so long. You haven't come to the place of hating it. You haven't come to the place where you recognize it's not worth keeping. Some of you right now are holding on to blatant sin. Some may be entangled in an affair. Some may be entangled in embezzlement. Some may be entangled in cheating and lying. Right now, right in this room. God has dealt with you. God has spoken to you. You've been able to get away with it. But I'm telling you, it, you're going to suffer in the furnace till God exposes it. It will be exposed. It will be exposed in the crucible. It's, it, it will get rid of so much quicker if you will say it is no longer worth it. And he can bring refining fire. Faith makes you better, not bitter. There are so many people who have been through this refining and they're trying to do their best for God and they feel like a failure and the devil comes in and calls them a failure and they think because the sin's identified in them they can never be good enough for God and they become bitter towards God and that's the opposite of what is actually happening. God loves you so much he's trying to burn this off you so that you'll become better. Not bitter. And I'm talking to someone this morning who's bitter that God has been burning on you. So you'd be better. So let him scoop off the dross this morning. How does he do this? Through his divine power, that resurrection power that he put in us, that spirit of God. By his power, he's granted to us precious and great promises, very great promises. So that through them, those promises, you may become partakers of his divine nature. Did somebody understand what I just said? You partake of God's own nature because of the promises. The vehicle are the promises to you. Not your goodness, not your abilities, not how much you pray, not how much you read your Bible, but because God is faithful and good and just gives you these promises. That through these promises, you can partake of his nature. And let me tell you, when you partake of his nature, you'll escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Once you taste and see that God is good, why do I want to go back to that slop? Oh, please, partake of this nature. Partake of his holiness. Partake and see that God is good. There is nothing on this earth that tastes like Christ. I wish I could convince young people so early not to go the way that they go because they have to taste it. They have to taste the drugs. They have to taste the alcohol. They have to taste the sex. They have to taste the power. They have to taste the money. They have to taste all of it. Only to find later that they're so broken from it. They'll remember their Sunday school lesson and turn back to God. And could I tell you, if you'd let the furnace burn now, you could forget all of that sooner. I got a room full of people with so many regrets because we didn't listen to the Holy Spirit soon enough. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. 
Oh God, I want a taste of your nature. How's he going to do it? He said this, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you so that you'll be clean. He's going to wash us. From all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Who wants that? God, we don't even know how many idols we have hidden under the mattress of our heart. Things that we've had in our head and the filth. God, I'm going to wash you clean. Also, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit I'm going to put in you. I'll take away that stony, dead heart, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh that is beating for me. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes. There's the word. And you will keep my judgments and do them. That's by the spirit dwelling in us. This is the refiner's work. It's happening right now in you. He's burning in us. He's burning it in us. I want to tell you, if you are one with God, if you are one with God, then His promises give you the ability to partake of His nature. His mercy will supply all your needs. His power will conquer all of your foes. His wisdom will direct you in all of your ways. His faithfulness will secure your heart to His. His justice will maintain your cause. His infinite love will continually transform you. His precepts will rule your mind. His doctrines will be your foundation. His Son will be your Savior. His Spirit will be your sanctifier and teacher. And God will be your everlasting portion. This is the fire of having God in us. He'll receive you graciously, guide you continually, chasten you routinely, and bless you eternally. And He will take all the treasures of time and all the resources of eternity, and if necessary, He will employ every promise on your behalf for your eternal benefit. He is working overtime and refining us into His glory. Oh, come on. If for a second you thought it was up to you, you just have to burn for Him and receive it. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be there. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's the faithfulness of God. And when you feel that you're a wretch, and when you feel again you've fallen, and when you feel unworthy, it's the time to know the fires of God's sanctification are burning in you, and you can rejoice. He's so good to clean you up. And you will rise to another level of glory. Don't give up. I want to tell you a, a story in closing. A man named Hein Fan. 
a Vietnamese man, a translator. He had turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the 1970s, he served as a translator for the American forces and for missionaries. In the process of translating for missionaries in Vietnam, this is well before the Vietnam War, he, he, he learned of the gospel and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. He recognized his failure and sin and looked to the Lord for his salvation. And he began to work with the missionaries and the Americans, preaching and teaching for them, interpreting their messages. But shortly after that, the Vietnam War broke out. When the Vietnamese uh, heard that he had translated and worked with the Americans, they immediately put him in a concentration camp. They immediately arrested him. And they began to brutally persecute him for his faith. They subjected him to communist propaganda to indoctrinate him continually every day to deprive him of the word of God in prayer to cause him to endure deep suffering and beatings daily till he would renounce Christ. He had gotten to such a place in this torment and in this suffering that he decided maybe there is not a God because why would God let me suffer? Why would God have me go such through trials? And he decided one day, I am going to stop praying to this God. The next day when he woke up, deciding he was done praying, this is the day he was going to begin. No longer praying to his God. He was given the chore to clean the prison latrines. And he thought, there you go. That's what I am to this God, the refuse. And as he went into the muck and the depth of those latrines to begin digging them out, he found a tin can that had wadded up paper that was used as toilet paper. And they had to empty that can from human refuse as it was used to wipe the soldiers. But he noticed on one of, the, one of the papers, English, he immediately rinsed it off, folded it up, and put it in his pocket. He hadn't seen anything in English in a while. He thought he'd read it later that night. And that day, despondent and, and angry at God for putting him into this place of refuse. Finally, the day ended, and he was able to get back into his bunk and he was tired and he remembered he had that paper in his pocket and he under the darkness uh, of his blanket he he opened it up to look at it and once his cellmates were sleeping he trembled because he just wanted to see what was written in English and he saw that it was a page out of a bible Romans chapter 8 and he began reading and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he also not, along with him, graciously give us all things? Hein began to read this and began to weep. And he began to ask forgiveness and he began praying, Oh God, how is it on the day that I decided to stop praying, you wouldn't let me go 24 hours 
without hearing from you. The next day, Hein requested that he would have toilet duties every day. Guards didn't understand it. They didn't understand the joy he had in his step to do such a foul work, but they sent him back to the latrines. And every day, as the Viet Cong would wipe their butts with the book of Romans, he would save each page and read it every night. For the word of God was refining him in the fire of his love. Somehow we got this thing messed up that if you accept Jesus, you'll have prosperity and blessing all your life. God could care less about your comfort levels of the flesh. He wants to burn it off. What he wants is to empower you in his spirit. God wants us to be shaped in the crucible, whatever it takes. And some of you have been through whatever it takes to burn for his glory. It's made you who you are today. It's shaped Christ in you. And he'll take the wretch and the filth of your past that was so offensive and he'll turn it into gold for his glory. Look to him. Shine for him. It's too good of a story. I can't stop. The day came when Hine was released from prison. <laughs> After years of studying the Bible, page by page, day by day, he began to make plans to escape Vietnam. He and 52 other men. They began to try to build a boat in secret planned to escape off the island, and everything was going according to plan. They were very soon going to depart when all of a sudden four Viet Cong knocked on Hines' door, and when they came to the door, they arrested him again. And they said, we heard that you are trying to escape, and is it true? And he began to cry out, no, and he distracted, and he made a story up, and he lied, and he said, no, no, I am not. I wouldn't do that. And he lied so well that he convinced them. And they left him alone. And he fell to his knees. And he said, oh God, how is it I could lie? Though I fill my heart with your word, how could I then lie even to save my soul? I have offended you. And I've blasphemed the truth that abides in me by lying with my mouth. He had made the decision that if they came after him, he would tell them what was going on. He prayed that if the Viet Cong were to come back again, he'd tell them the truth. And only a few hours before they were all ready to set sail, the four men came back to the door once more. We have our sources and we know you are trying to escape. Is it true? And under the conviction and the holiness of God, without a thought for his own life, even the others, he said, yes, I am planning to escape with 53 others. And he put his hands out to be imprisoned. And the four Viet Cong said, can we go too? And he said, yes. 
Yes. And they all got on that ship, that home-built vessel, and they went out into the high seas, and suddenly a violent storm had come, and they had struggled to stay alive on that ship. But fortunately for them, those four Viet Cong were all fishermen who were skilled at handling boats and were not afraid of sailing. And because of those four, all of those people had made it to freedom in Thailand. Don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about the situation. Stay holy to your God. Burn for him in the crucible of his love. Always seek what is true and holy and right. Do not make a way of an escape for yourself because God's always got a better one. But live to the purity of the gospel. Don't give up because God's identified your sin. Don't give up because he's convicting you. Rejoice because he's refining you. Let us bow our heads this morning.